This is Writers in Tech, a podcast where today's top content strategists, UX writers, and content designers share their well-kept industry secrets. Today we have Leonardo Raimondo, a content strategist from uh, an Amazon agency named uh, Orca from Seattle. And I'm very excited to have him today because I am eager to learn more about creating content and copy for Amazon websites. And how are you, Leonardo? I'm great. It's pretty hot over here, as I mentioned, so we're just <laughs> trying to cool down. But um, other than that, we're, we're doing great. Um, you know, Amazon's a very busy thing going on right now. So just right. happy to be here and share some knowledge. Amazing. Uh, yeah, I, I guess that Amazon is getting pretty crazy right now during the COVID-19 uh, going on, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we've been fortunate to be in a business where, um, you know, a lot of smaller businesses or brick, or brick and mortar stores are kind of suffering right now, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, for Amazon, because most people are, you know, obviously shopping from home, shopping from mobile devices, um, you know, the business has not stopped for us. So um, we're seeing more and more brands come to us needing help with uh, getting their products listed, getting it optimized for the platform. So yeah, uh, business is just, you know, really good for us right now because we're so in line with Amazon. So Amazing. And okay, so for the listeners that are not sure, what are the differences when you, uh, between writing copy for your e-commerce store versus writing a copy for your Amazon store or for your yeah, Amazon brand? Right. Yeah, that's, that's a really great question. We get this question a lot um, because on the surface, you know, they might seem like the same thing. Um, you might think like, oh, yeah, you know, I've sold a ton of, you know, shoes on our website. I'll just copy and paste the same material or content from our Shopify site or whatever it is to Amazon. Um, and there's a few reasons why that why that's a huge mistake. Um, for one, you know, it's a different format, of course. So, you know, because Amazon is a different format, you know, the same rules and parameters, you know, won't apply and, you know, you won't be nearly as successful. So, uh, for instance, if the title of your product, you know, um, on your site, you know, is called something like flat screen monitor, you know, you can't just simply uh, copy and paste that same title on Amazon because, you know, Amazon users will want to know your brand name, you know, the size, the specs, you know, all of that information, which will help people um, search Amazon. Uh, and as they go through the kind of the search results, um, you know, it'll help them gain understanding and context of what that product is. Um, and then there's a couple more. So I would say like the algorithm as well. Um, you know, Amazon operates on a different algorithm than Google, for instance. So, you know, whereas Google understands things like context, um, you know, for Amazon, it's an entirely different SEO strategy. And uh, that's where myself and our team comes in. And we look at things like keyword research. Um, we understand the product and the relative competition for those keywords. Um, and then we work to optimize those product detail pages so that you not only end up on the first page, but you know, preferably you end up in the top row of products um, once people search for that, for those keywords. Mm -hmm. um, and then the last thing, but most important thing, and I think this goes back to the principles of important UX design and UX writing, but you know, you really have to think about the user and, and their journey. Um, you know, on Amazon, you know, they're typically ready to make that buying decision. Um, and you know, what makes it different is, you know, there's a lot of other competitors on those detail pages when you're on Amazon. So 
you know, they're not just looking at your product. They're also, you know, looking at other people's products. So if you're too wordy, if you're adding too much fluff, if you're trying to do too much with your brand voice or trying to stuff keywords, you know, you're going to lose your user's attention um, and they're just going to click to the next, you know, competitive product. So I think it's important for us as writers and as, you know, consumers to remember that, you know, uh, users on Amazon have a very short attention span, uh, probably less than they would if they were directly on your website. So every word, every visual or content needs to add value. Amazing. And for example, let's say that I am, um, so I'm not, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, let's say that my brand right now is not on uh, Amazon at all. Let's go with the uh, monitors examples. And I have, you know, not the biggest brand in the world, but like a medium local brand of uh, monitors. Um, is there an even option for me to stand out in and reach to the top five places in Amazon? Yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's a common issue that we see. So we work with a lot of like smaller and medium sized uh, brands or even startups sometimes. Um, and so I think the key thing you have to remember is, you know, if you're, in a very competitive industry like monitors where a brand like, you know, Dell or Apple or whoever, you know, they're going to dominate that space. You know, you have to look for those uh, areas of opportunity where, you know, you can catch, you know, relatively high amount of volume, but also have like low competition. So what that looks like for people who are familiar with like Google SEO is, you know, you look for keywords that have like long tail keywords, so maybe instead of like, you know, a flat screen monitor, you might add in, you know, some other additional context like 17 inch flat screen monitor or, you know, a 4K HD flat screen monitor or something like that. So that you're kind of narrowing your search field. So you're not um, targeting like those super, you know, competitive high volume keywords because you're only going to run up against the wall, you know, if you go up against those competitors, you know what I mean? So. Uh, those are the kind of areas you, you have to look for. And then, you know, I think also, of course, visually, uh, you know, your images matter. You know, we all work in, an, in a visual field and that's how we consume a lot of content. So mm -hmm. the better images that you have and the better that you can call out specific features, you know, those are all things that we recommend as well. Um, just getting that, uh, getting it to visualize for the, for the users. Fantastic. And the... Um... I really want to ask about uh, the similarities between, because I know that you are also a UX writer. So I would mm -hmm. like to ask about the similarities between, um, or, or like which kind of practices a UX writer helps you to, to do your job um, today. But I would also like to ask about, oh, so you told me about uh, keywords uh, in Amazon. So in order to find them, you just search on Amazon or you have like a keyword planner tool that uh, Amazon give you or like is some kind of uh, external tool? <laughs> well, unfortunately, Amazon doesn't give us anything. Uh, uh. They're, pretty, they're pretty secretive actually about their formula and, you know, tools that people use. In fact, like some third-party search tools out there, I, I don't quote me on this, but I believe like they've been shut down because, you mm -hmm. know, they're, uh, you know, maybe a little too, have too much insight, I would say, maybe into the platform or something. Uh, but at Orca Pacific, what we do is we use 
kind of a mix. We use uh, some first party uh, tools that we've developed internally. Uh, nice. You know, we have um, a bunch of people, you know, we're in Seattle, so we have a bunch of people that have worked at Amazon or have, you know, good knowledge of the algorithm or the platform, right? So we have a mix of internal use tools, but we also use um, some third party tools like Helium 10 is one that I like a lot. Um, you know, it, it gives you kind of like that search volume, but it also gives you the relevancy, which I talked about, which, you know, looks at competitive products and see how you can position yourself. So, you know, we use a mix, I would say, like, it really depends. And, you know, honestly, a lot of it is also just kind of getting into the Amazon platform itself, typing out keywords and seeing what comes up. And, you know, you can, you can gleam a lot of insight from just doing that as well. Really cool. Um, amazing. So to my question, I know that you have yes. experience in UX writing and what helped you to do your job better today and from your experience as a UX writer? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, UX writing and UX design principles um, really laid the foundation for how I approach content strategy at my company. Um, I think without that knowledge, it'd be really hard to, um, you know, come up with like creative solutions, meaning like, you know, what I, what I learned in UX design school, because I went to uh, General Assembly here in Seattle and I went through classes and I really understood like, not only things like UX research, but, you know, um, competitive analysis, mind mapping, you know, all that kind of stuff. But as far as like UX writing specifically, um, you know, the, the principles of being really clear, concise and useful, um, you know, that's, that's more important than Amazon than, than anything, because, you know, I think a lot of brands take the approach on Amazon, like, oh, we're just gonna use like our copywriting content, um, you know, our social media content to try and apply that to the Amazon platform. But what you'll find is that there's so much fluff and there's so much like unnecessary words that um, don't matter to the user at the end of the day. Cause you know, honestly, most people are not gonna read the entire thing, right? They're just gonna skim maybe the title, the bullet points, but mostly they're gonna look at pictures. So, you know, kind of similar to UX writing, you really just have to come up with some really easy, consumable, skimmable copy that speaks to the images um, and that it, you know, it drives home the benefit without getting too wordy. And, um, you know, so I think this is true for, you know, whether you're in copywriting or UX writing or other forms of content writing, you know, you just have to be really particular and um, really thoughtful about the words, the words you use. Do you have any kind of a measurement parameters like uh, our job help us to put this this thing on the first page or our job help us to increase conversions by x percentage do you have a way to measure that kind of stuff um yes and no i mean you know you can add content to uh, a product detail page and optimize it so you could you know shorten the copy you can add additional images you can add what's called enhanced content so Enhanced content is when you scroll down on a detail page and you see more of like the brand voice. They can add like larger images and better designed uh, modules. Um, you know, all that stuff really helps and it will boost your, you know, you'll see a pretty immediate boost of about 10 to 20% kind of based on, um, you know, your product and relative to the market, of course. But, 
You know, I think the thing that we need to keep in mind for specifically for platforms like Amazon is that um, it's just one part of the equation doing content optimization. You know, you also have to think about things like conversions. So if people are on your page, but they're not actually buying the products, that really affects your ranking too. Um, whether or not you have reviews. So do you have a thousand reviews or do you have like two reviews? Because if you have two reviews, you know, you can optimize content all you want, but it's, you know, it's not going to move the needle all that much until people start buying and reviewing your product, right? Um, so things like that are all part of the equation. And I think, you know, as content, people that work on content like myself on Amazon, it's, we understand that it is part of the equation and we try to do our best to kind of explain that to our clients and, and brands. So, you know, I think that's just one thing to keep in mind. Amazing. Is there, uh, talking about uh, reviews and stuff like that, so is there a way to um, somehow communicate people to, like asking them to write a review uh, in a nice way to increase conversions of people leaving testimonials and stuff like that? Uh, there's probably not like a very, well, let's put it this way. Amazon tries to prevent brands from asking their users for reviews. Really? So they're not supposed to email or include in the box, like a survey to like leave them a review. They're not supposed to do any of that. I know there's some brands you can kind of get away with it. I think, um, you know, but in general, like Amazon typically tries to refrain from that. They just want people to leave honest reviews based on their own experiences and, You know, I think that's that's a good strategy, you know, so I think from our side, there's there's some things you can do in terms of like marketing and um, advertising, but um, ultimately, it's really up to users to uh, leave honest reviews themselves. So. All right. So what would be your free uh, tips for someone that right now have a, an Amazon page and they want to optimize it? Yeah, so the. Uh, again, we kind of get this question a lot, you know, working in an agency focused on Amazon. Uh, I would say if you're a brand out there and you're thinking about how to move your product from, you know, a traditional brick and mortar store to Amazon, you know, especially in this time with COVID, um, some things that a lot of brands still miss, even big brands that we work with, uh, a lot of things they miss are just simple things like, okay, if I have a product... And I want to move to Amazon, you know, uh, they miss things like, how do I visualize that for the user? And then, you know, this kind of goes back to UX principles as well, just in terms of like putting in context for people. So an example of that is just if you're selling like, let's say, uh, you know, uh, a shampoo bottle or something like that, right, for men's hair. You want to give people an idea of like how big that bottle is, because you'd be amazed by how many people like purchase something like that. And then they get it in the mail and they're like, oh, this is tiny. This is like not what I ordered. It doesn't look like what I thought because, you know, the, the product dimensions are on the page. But again, people don't really read those, uh, you know, for it's really, really close details. Envision it as well. You know, you see the numbers, but you don't actually calculate how yeah. it's going to be like. Exactly. And brands can, you know, point out the dimensions on a product. They can be like, oh, this is, you know, six inches by 12 inches tall. But, you know, uh, again, users are just going to skim over that. So what you need to do is you need to put it in people's hands, um, show it in their hands, show them using the products, you know, 
you know, that way they can see like not only how big it is, but they can see like, you know, is it a gel, is it a cream, you know, things like that, that you wouldn't normally think of when you're in a brick and mortar, because when they're in a brick and mortar store, they can either look at the product itself, hold it in their hand and, you know, they can get a good idea. So, you know, uh, again, like in this digital age, you just need to think about things like that. It's really simple, but it's, it makes a world of difference. Um, so I would say that's, you know, probably the biggest thing that, mm -hmm. that brands miss on. All right. And um, I think that we are, that was most of my questions. Okay. And for people that uh, just starting out and uh, want to and I know that you, you've been a UX writer before. So for people that want to get into the field of UX writing, what would be your uh, tip to get that started? Oh, man, that's, that's a loaded question there, Yuval. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> so many resources. Um, you know, honestly, and I'm not trying to uh, hype you up or anything here, but, you know, I think the Facebook group for microcopy was huge for me. Just seeing other experts in the field, you know, because there you have UX writers from, you know, Google, Spotify, um, Uber, all these big brands that uh, really are the experts in their field and they work with a lot of talented UX designers. Um, you get a lot of good insight because, you know, I think UX writing is such a nuanced discipline that, you know, if you, I mean, of course, there's many different approaches for how to solve a problem uh, when it comes to UX writing, but the more like uh, other users you can bounce opinions off of and thoughts, you know, you get so much better insight into people that are kind of like outside of your perspective, right? And I think that kind of goes back to what good UX writing is all about. Um, other than that, you know, honestly, what helped me is uh, Medium. I, I consume a lot of content on Medium, just UX Collective, all these different um, publications that really focus on UX writing. Um, and then I would say, lastly, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just kind of like one of those things you just got to do yourself. Um, you know, try and get clients, try and talk to people, see if you can just do work for free, see if there's like online resources where you can just practice uh, doing UX writing, because nothing's going to help you more than actually doing it yourself. And then uh, getting feedback on that. So other mentors, other UX writers saying like, oh, like, you know, I saw your approach there or, you know, can you articulate this part a little bit better? Um, that will help you not only develop your UX writing uh, training and knowledge, but it'll also help you explain when you go into interviews with these brands, these tech companies that, you know, look at your, your output and they say, okay, can you explain why you chose to use these words and not this word? Um, I've been in that situation and I'm sure many listeners here have as well where you kind of get stuck because you're like, I don't know, it just sounded better. <laughs> uh, but you can't do that, you know, with a lot of these tech companies because they're really gonna they're really gonna grill you and they're really gonna want to understand um, what your thought process was behind those uh, those designs. Exactly, and also based your uh, writing on data. That that's the easy way, right? You can just uh, you know. Just yeah. do some research, conversations, see, like online conversations, see different kinds of uh, funnels and where people are stuck. And then based on the data, you can make uh, smarter 
more coherent uh, decisions. So that's a really good tip. And yeah, uh, sure. thank you for your answer. That was a tough question. And <laughs> uh, talking about resources, and um, is there any, if you had to choose like right now, one single book that uh, related to marketing or UX that, you know, really in influenced the way you work or think today about your work? Is there uh, anything that you can recommend? Well, the one that I hear a lot and I started reading myself is the Don't Make Me Think book. And I've heard that mentioned on the podcast a lot. Right. Um, and, you know, I, honestly, like when you open it, it's a pretty outdated book. Like I think it's from the 90s or something like that. Mm -hmm. But it's amazing how many of those same principles still um, remain to this day, right? Like it just kind of goes to show you that, you know, good design is, is timeless. Um, So I would say that one is a really helpful one. Uh, there's that other book, uh, Microcopy. You might be able to pronounce her name better than I. In yeah, yeah. The Microcopy yes. book, the blue one. Yes, the blue one. I, I downloaded a digital version of that. And I think what that one does really well is it's up to date. You know, it has modern examples. Um, but yeah, that's, that's it right there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that one's really helpful because it gives you really specific examples. And I think that's what really helps UX writers seen very specific examples of, um, you know, how UX writing gets developed. Uh, so I think I would say that that's a great one. That's Amazing. Thank you for the recommendations. And in case people want to reach out and find you, uh, what would be the best way to do that? Well, I try to stay away from social media in general, but Good call. Uh, Good I would call. say if, <laughs> <laughs> it's just too distracting with all the yeah, work yeah. I have going on. But I am pretty active on Medium, so you can find me at Leonardo Raimundo, uh, or at Leonardo Raimundo on Medium. Uh, I, I write for link. UX Collective. Yeah, I write for UX Collective, and you know I submit my publications, or my writings to different publications, but that's the biggest one. Um, so you can find me there. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn, of course. Uh, Leonardo, I think it's Leonardo David Raimundo on LinkedIn, but... Um, Yeah, you, those are probably the, my biggest uh, areas of activity. So Amazing. I'll add a link. And so thank you very much for everything. We were yes. a Writers in Tech podcast. My name is Yuval Keshtecher, founder of the uh, UX Writing Hub. And thank you very much, Leonardo, for being here with us today. Um, if you want to stay on the loop of our podcast, so just go to our website, uxwritinghub.com, and sign up to the newsletter, and you will just get it. Uh, every two weeks to your uh, inbox. So that's about it. Thank you, Leonardo. Have a good one. Thanks, Yuval. You too. Bye-bye.